I invite you to open up to John chapter 1. And as you're doing that, let me get you thinking about something. Think about the last time I imagine that you, like myself, have been to a concert, sporting event, kids' performance, wedding, something, something where you were, you were so far removed from the action going on that really you were, you were disengaged from what was happening. So there was some event happening, but you were so far back that all you caught was the back of someone's head, the sound was muffled. For some reason, schools that have a hard time sometimes getting the audio right, and so giant assemblies where the parent paparazzi is all in front of you, and you're just kind of, you just hear Charlie Brown's teacher going a little bit, and you're there, but, but it's all kind of, you know, distant from you. So what happens is, um, if you're in some kind of a program or whatever, you stand at the appropriate times because you're getting your cues from other people. You sit at the appropriate times. You kind of clap when a number's done or when, but when oohs and ahs are happening, you know, you're kind of doing this, you're looking around and, and it's just frustrating. You know, you're, you're there, but, but you're not really present. And as we, as we head into the whole Christmas season, where I want to direct our minds and direct our attention to is this. I think it's quite possible to be there, to be here, but not really be present. And, and even with family, with worship services, um, even just wanting to worship God, to be there physically, but not really be present. And I know that's some, some nuance to it, but I want to dig into that a little bit this morning. Let me just have you think for a moment. Uh, you don't need to write this down, but, but just think for a moment. What would you like your Christmas to be this year? Let me give some prompters that may be true in your life. We'll probably sing these kinds of themes. Maybe full of joy, <clears throat> peace on earth. Maybe for some of you, it's just silent for one night. You know, of, of all the nights that you're just, I just want one, one peaceful one. A season that you can more fully focus on the wonder of the incarnation. The idea that God came to earth. So, so think in your mind, just jot down in your mind a couple of things. These are the things I really want Christmas to be this year. And then here's a follow-up question. What would cause you to regret Christmas this year? Now, at first pass, you think, well, how can you regret Christmas? Let me throw a couple of things out for you. Let's just go back a year, maybe, and think through some of these things. Maybe stress would cause you to regret the season. Maybe for some of you, debt, more debt, would cause you to once again regret the season. For those of you, it might be just the emptiness of feeling like you missed out on the wonder. You missed out on the worship yet again. And, and how appropriate to think about this heading into the season instead of, instead of kind of looking back on this at the end. Christmas is meant to be celebrated and not regretted, but why is it that uh, this time of year when it seems like it should be the easiest to worship Jesus, oftentimes it's actually really challenging, and you have to carve out intentional things to make it happen. Now, we've been around around church here just kind of in this season of share, we're calling it, and you'll see it on the way in as you come, and we've been talking about it in, in different kinds of ways and whatnot. And here's the thing. There's so much good to report in terms of what's going on with, with season of share. Uh, there's there's all these numbers we could put out. Um, Wendy's been giving us updates on Operation Christmas Child, and those are, you know, one box that was packaged by by a person and sent around the world to a child somewhere. 
There's different numbers that we could kind of put out. We had an incredible time at the San Francisco Homeless Outreach a week ago on Sunday night, uh, just ministering out there with, with some other friends of ours from a different church. But here's the harder thing to measure is the attitude of the heart. And as, we, as we're in this kind of season of share, th- those are the things you can't really put a number on that, but it's a prayer. It's a, it's a nurturing spirit to say, God, would you grow those things as well? This morning as we talk and kind of enter into a season, it's sometimes called the season of Advent. And for some of you, this will be a brand new idea. You've heard the word. You're not really sure what it's about. For others of you, maybe it was some tradition you had growing up and it's, it's just reintroducing. Maybe for some of you, this is a regular part of the, of the, of the season and you know what it, what it's all about. But let me just give you a, a couple of things about Advent. The word actually means coming or arrival. And, and the entire focus of the season is on the celebration of the birth, birth of Jesus as the first advent, the first coming, the first arrival, God with us, Emmanuel. And so it's a, it's a season of, of looking back to that. But far more than marking just some 2,000-old event, uh, it's really celebrating this truth about God that he's coming again. It's a process in which we now participate and as we anticipate the second coming of Christ, we become participants in this. And there's all kinds of different traditions that are that go on around the world. Think, think about this. In worship of the risen Jesus Christ, the one we just sang about that we can overcome because he rose from the grave is being worshipped throughout the world because of that. And finally, there are scripture readings for Advent that, that we'll do and that will reflect on this emphasis of the second Advent, the second coming, and it includes these kinds of things. Accountability to remain faithful at his coming. Judgment on sin. The hope of eternal life. Now, a few years ago, several of us in this room, many of us in this room, uh, we, we, we joined in, we participated in something called the Advent Conspiracy. And this was a group of churches that in 2006, there were a few pastors sitting around from different parts of the country, their friends, and they were lamenting about being pastors at Christmas time. Because what they felt like was, um, you know, lost in the shuffle of everything, lost in the program of doing a bunch of church things, was the worship of Jesus. And was just slowing down enough to, to, to get to really, you know, nurture the wonder in their own life. And so they began to just respond to this rising tide of consumerism that they saw in their own lives and their own people and desiring to respond to to a crisis around the world about just the, the need for clean water. Now, lest you think it's a new movement, though, this is really an old movement, and they're just, they're just tapping into something that's, that's gone on for, for centuries now, which is, to, which is to stop during this season and, uh, and think about and draw attention to the God who acted on our need. Let me show you a short video. Some of you saw this three years ago. But let me show you a short video that's just kind of going to frame the next few weeks of where we're going. The reason we're doing this is this. About three years ago when we went through this, several of you made some, some changes to, to how you go about Christmas. It really challenged and brought some things to light about, about you know, traditions and things that, that might go on. And, and lest we just do that as kind of a one-year thing, it's good to remind. It's good to reflect. It's good to come back and, and think on some things. So watch this, watch this short video. All right, so just a refresher for some of you, but kind of a little snapshot of, of what these churches kind of put together. One of the things I really like about it is it's kind of in the open source format. So they're not trying to control this or own this. They're just, they're just wanting to stir up uh, some things in different churches. Here's here's another question for you. I know I'm asking a lot of questions for you, and that's tough after all the turkey, but just bear with me. 
what is it that you worship during the Advent season? Now, I know that especially on Sunday morning, sitting in a church, you know the right answer is Jesus. But, but truthfully, like what really is it? And here's part of what we want to do in the next few weeks is this. In our large group setting this, in our small group settings around, around, uh, you know, coffee tables and around couches and whatnot, is just to, is just to press in on one another, press in on ourselves, talk about this as a family, and say, what is it that we really worship during this whole Advent season? Now, Rob alluded to this, but there is, of course, the, in my opinion, the, the worst new holiday in America called Black Friday. We're getting ready for shoppers used to mean beefing up your employees. Now it means hiring security and, you know, and getting that all in line. And, you know, I, pretty soon I think it'll be outfitting your employees with body armor from the police. Uh, it's just getting really nuts out there. Um, there's kind of a new twist for 2012 and it's this. It's Black Friday Eve. And, you know, decades from now, you'll have to describe, children, you'll have to explain to your kids, kids, when I was young, we used to call that Thanksgiving Day. Uh, but now it's, it's Black Friday Eve, you know, and it's just, it's moving this, this kind of weird way and, and people are, are, are really buying into it. The whole idea of shop till you drop is a little bit sobering, actually, because this whole idea of consumerism, and, and the fact of, of where it's going and, and where it's, it's taking us. Now, this isn't some kind of a new problem. C.S. Lewis, in 1953, was writing to a, a correspondent um, in America, and he said this, I feel exactly as you do about this horrid commercial racket they have made out uh, of Christmas. I send no cards and give no presents except to children. <laughs> so he had a heart, but just not, not to everyone else. Here's what may have changed, though, since the 50s, is the the blatant, and just boldness of the commercialization. Here's just a few of my favorites. I have a radar up for this, and I'm always just kind of looking for, for ways that, that were sold on, on things. And, and one of them was, was this. There was a, a poster on a wall, and it said, the nice list, you know, naughty and nice. And here's the nice list, and there was a checkbox, and then it was the word me, and then it had it checked off. And then underneath that was another checkbox, and next to that was the word me. And that was checked off. And then there was about seven more checkboxes. And guess whose name was next to all of it? Me, right? And there were several that were left unchecked. Like there were still things to get for me because I've been nice this year. And, and you just look at that and you just go, does anyone else think that's like, like, like that actually would really turn me off actually from, from what you're selling. But that's how it has become. There was a car commercial on recently that was was telling you how to buy a car, and it was, you know, zero plus zero plus zero. I mean, just all these zeros. And you see that, and the, the big message is basically, you know, get this car for nothing, right? And and what's funny is, in math, zero plus zero plus zero plus zero equals, William, talk to me, zero. In real life, zero plus zero plus zero equals a giant negative. You're way in the hole by the time you start paying for this vehicle, Right? So again, it's, it's just a mindset, and because we're in it, because we're just walking and soaking in this, it can just kind of seep in to be really normal. So if I were to frame the problem, I'd say this, that, that this sacred season is being threatened by a consumer culture. Now, some of you walked through James with us, and the book of James uh, warns about the, 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 the harm that, that money can lead to. Let me just show you a couple of pictures. He talked about hoarding. Remember that? And just the fact that hoarding is something that can go on and is, is not good. Uh, that there's fraud that, that goes on. And, and don't be a fat cat. We, 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 we talked about that. There's just basic indulgence. And it's like you just have so much. It's like, man, I need another deal on another storage unit. 
Man, I mean, you know what's a giant business? Those plastic boxes, right? Because we have to store more stuff. And so Target does this every year. There's a whole store for this at Westgate where the whole store is about storage stuff. Now, again, not against storing things, but just asking the question about overindulgence. And then finally, there was just the idea of betrayal. And James just talks about all these things. Now, more than just a little bit of overindulgence or just a little bit of extra spending, come on, Dave, what's the big deal? What I would say is this, that these are all symptoms of a deeper issue. And it's really a worship issue. That's why we're starting this. That's why Advent Conspiracy guys said this. Man, let's start with this. Worship fully. That's what it's really about. And lest we just think it's the bad guys out there, I'll tell you where this is. It's right here. It's right in my own heart. It's right around our own dinner table and in our own family. It's not something out there that, that those people who don't know God struggle with and deal with. It's right here in, our, in, in my own heart and in your own heart. I know you're in John 1, but listen to 1 John 2 for just a moment. 1 John 2 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, he's going to sum it up, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from God but from the world. Here's one of the big messages for this morning. The world and its desires are passing away. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. The Advent conspiracy premise is really simple. It's worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. And the fact that they start with worship is in complete agreement with Neighborhood Bible Church. In Neighborhood Bible Church... We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You see that we start with worship. It begins with worship. It moves on to being in community, a loving family that God puts you in, a spiritual family, and it bleeds out into sharing your life and the message with others. Now, here's a little side note as we, as we, as we launch into this. Um, several conversations. It was so fun to just see different people engage in different ways. Um, some just adding to things they were already, God was already stirring on their heart. For some, it was a brand new concept. But certainly in our own family as well, it led to some awkward conversa- conversations. Because as, as you're, as you're trying to, to create some new traditions and think through, man, as a parent, what do I want to pass on to my kids? In my own life before God, what, what do I want to do during this season? Um, it, it led to some different things. And just as a side note before we get going on this, let me just say this, that Christians so often are known for the many things that they're against. And frankly, something like this could be one more thing that Christians are against. Calling out consumerism and everyone they see, right? And trying to make people feel guilty. And how dare you do that when there's people that don't have clean water in Africa? You know, those kind, just hurling those kind of bombs at people, you know, and, and how dare you be hectic in your life. You need to slow down and spend time with, with those you love, whatever. It can be something that, that, that we're against. My, my giant challenge is this. Let's judge ourselves. Let's not look at other people and make any kind of judgment on them. Let's just turn this inward and say, God, would you do a work in me? Let's even as families within this church, new or old, and I'm talking age, uh, just new or old to, to, to being here, let's not even look at one another and, and say, what are you guys doing over there? I mean, siblings have such the capacity for that, don't we? You, you know, you're always comparing and looking and judging. Don't do that. Let's just say, God, before, before you, we, we want to honor you this season. 
And we want to honor you more and better and more fully and enter into this more than we ever have in the past. So instead of playing the Scrooge, instead of, you know, you know, bah humbugging every invite that, that comes to you because you're, you're not a hectic person and you're not doing this, let's just, let's just say what we stand for. Here's what we stand for. Here's what we're for. We're for a great and mighty God. We're for a liberating king that, that deserves and gets our all in all. And we're so overjoyed by that that, that, it, that it certainly does spill out into the kinds of things and decisions that we make. All right. So here's, here's what I'm talking about with a different kind of Christmas. When I talk about worship fully, it indicates that there must be more, right? Here's one of the challenges that I have every single week that I'm up here preaching, or Ben, or Rob as he leads worship. To lead a worship service for an everlasting, almighty, ultimately creative God is, is endlessly an exercise in somewhat futility. There's going to be failure in that. How do you capture the grandeur of God and, and, and really worship him you know, completely on a Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes? So we can program different things. We can do different things. One of the things we've chosen to do here is to keep things very, very simple. It's, it's easy for churches, and I feel this too, to kind of ramp up more and more and, and add things. And be, be, before you know it, I mean, I'd be coming down on rollerblades. There'd be a disco ball and lasers and a fog machine. And, and anytime I get there, just tackle me. Someone just yank me out of here and say, it's, it's enough. It's all over. Let's just stop all that. I'm, I, I grew up in a church that around this time of the year, uh, we put on something like, you know, 20 musicals, right? And, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would come to this thing. And it was a great thing. It was an, it was an era. It was the 80s. Go look it up on Wikipedia, kids. It was an interesting time. I'm not against that. And I'm not against the big show. I'm not against the, the, the big things that other churches do. I'm just saying this. What I know is this, that God can be worshipped in a cave in the ground today in China without any comfortable chairs, without any special technology, without any anything. And so I just say, God, would you bring us back to, to those kinds of things? To worship fully means that there must be more than Sundays. There must be more than just December as some kind of a, a high and holy season, and then we wait a, 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 again till Easter. It is brilliant and thankful to, to God that, that he gives us seasons, but there's more to it than just December. There's more than songs. There's more than Bible study. There's more than just getting saved. I got saved. Ten years ago, I got saved. There's more than moral living. To worship fully means this. No matter where you are on your journey, on your spiritual journey, there's more. What's, what's amazing is people who are smarter than me, uh, smarter than I'll ever be, and who've studied doctrine and God and theology longer, you can see those who really know God because they're studying God. They're, they're somewhere way down the road here, and yet they just have this deep sense. Man, the more I understand, the further I swim out into the ocean, the, the more I just realize how incredibly vast God is. The wonders of his love, his righteousness, his goodness, his grace, his truthfulness. There's more. In Advent Conspiracy, uh, Ralph Winter, founder of the Frontier Mission, talks about the problems that poverty can bring. And some of you have traveled the world just a little bit, so you've seen some of this. You, you go to an underdeveloped country, we call them third world countries sometimes, and, and these kinds of different you know, uh, poverty problems exist. We just saw a video of people who just can't get clean water. 
And when you don't have clean water, you get different kinds of disease. And so they're, they're, they're battling all kinds of, of diseases and, and problems. And just going to a country, uh, you know, where, where there's no infrastructure and there's just not basic things to, to, to get things done and goods and services to people and, and all kinds of problems in, in, in poverty places. But what's interesting is, is that um, they don't go away once wealth and, and affluence come on the scene. Uh, Any time that aid is given to third world countries, what, what's the giant risk? Corruption, fraud, hoarding, those in the power, right, not getting the goods to the people who actually need it. So the second you introduce the help, the second you introduce some of these things, that, that's, that's what begins to take place. Fast forward to, to some of the more developed countries then, and those who are, you know, really living in plenty, um, you know, scientists and researchers and, and, and people are saying, man, you know, wealthy societies, America is right up there, um, actually are inventing new problems. There's, 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 there's new diseases and new issues that are, that are coming with things. Um, and so things like drug and alcohol abuse are, 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 you know, are, are, are rampant and, and different kinds of, of diabetes and different kinds of diseases and, and different kinds of things. What, because we eat too much, you know, and, and all these different things that, that, that we've, we've traded in third world, uh, problems for, for problems in plenty. Now the scriptures have lots for us uh, in terms of, of example, and and if if you if you read the Old Testament, you start to understand the story of God's people. Um, there's there's a story in the Exodus as God's God's created and man has sinned and and wandered from God, and and then God rescues His beloved people from slavery. He pours water out of rocks for them, while He's rescued them from slavery. And then he provides manna from heaven for them to feed on, miraculously feeding and caring for his people. And what happens in that is that the nation gripes about the funky bread, right? They're all worked up about all the bread that they're getting for free, just picking it out of the ground. Uh, and so what is the father's response? The father responds, you can read all about this in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it, 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 it's in there, is this. He gives them exactly what they want. What do they ask for but meat? And he says, I'm not going to give it to you for one day or two days or, or 10 or 20. He says, you're going, to, you're going to get your meat. And in essence, in, in great love, God actually just gives them what they want, which is meat galore. And, and they get to a place where they're, they're sick of meat. We asked for it. We wanted more and more and more. And now we're sick of it. And rather than the beautiful taste of freedom, rather than the promise of their own land, to be a nation, here's what they cry out for. We want to go back to slavery. That seems preferable right now than all of this, than all of this excess. I wonder if to some degree the same sort of thing is happening in America. Where, where we have more and more and more. I know it's easy to look at the crazies who are fighting in line at Walmart and say, that's just decrepit and, man, those poor people. But here's what I see. Whenever I say that, there's a little voice of conviction, the Holy Spirit, that says, it's, it's in you as well, Dave. It's in you as well. To, to, to just want that. That little twist of something for nothing. Kind of an easy shortcut to something. Whatever the latest techno lust might be, right? There's always a newer and better, no matter what it is. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't shop a whole bunch. I don't window shop. I don't look at a whole bunch of things. But around Christmas time, it's really hard to think of things sometimes. This wasn't true when I was younger, but it's really hard to think of things to put on my list until this time of year. As you go actually looking for other people and doing different things, you actually go, oh, that's kind of cool. 
uh, you know what? I, I've got a, 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 a sweater from the early 80s. It's probably time to upgrade. You know, and you start thinking about different things you could kind of use. And that's just the, 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 the subtle component that, that is for sure here in me. Once in the promised land, God's people uh, didn't just desert God all at once. Here's what they did instead. They just began to add little things here and there. They began to add on. And, and I wonder if this false doctrine of consumerism is one of those things that we just kind of add on to our worship of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a picture. There were kings that came and went. But in First Chronicles 12 is King Rehoboam. And it says this, But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, Think about us as a nation. I know that we've just had an election season and we're talking about some different weakening components and all these things. But look at the worldwide picture. We are obscenely wealthy. Most of us, myself included today, picked from any number of things to put on our body for clothing. It wasn't a matter of grabbing our jacket to protect us from the elements. It was which one matched what we're doing and, and which one feels right for today. Again, nothing wrong with being born in America and having the stuff we have. I just want to call attention to, in the worldwide picture, we are obscenely wealthy. When Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and all Israel followed him in this sin. Because they were unfaithful to the Lord, the king of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of his reign. God raised up this king to come and discipline the people of God. Now, there's more to the story, but in the final assessment, right at the end of chapter 12, it says this. But he was an evil king, for he did not seek the Lord with all his heart. He was an evil king, not because he didn't worship the Lord, because there was actually parts of his life where he did worship the Lord. It's just that he added things. He, he added other things to, to it, and I, I fear that's what some of us might be in danger of doing. So when we talk about worship fully, uh, what I want to do is not leave it just kind of in the, you know, mystical, out there, you know, uh, thing, but I want to give you some, some practical ideas. But, but in giving you practical ideas, what I don't want to do is say, follow these four easy steps, and then you'll be able to worship God fully. Because once again, that doesn't stay true to the wonder of, of the God we serve. Here's, here's one idea is this, is to just pray that God would unveil the glory. Look, look in, in John 1. Many of you are patiently sitting in John 1. I want you to, to see John 1. Just in the opening verses of John 1, you, 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 could, you could sit down and just as a family read this, as an individual in a park one day, just sit and read short little passages like this and ponder what they mean. Here, here's John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's four verses in the first book, in the first few chapters, or first few verses of John 1. John 1 4 says, or John 1 5 says this, that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In verse 10, it says, he, he was in the world, Jesus, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. When I say pray for the glory to be revealed, for, for the glory to be unveiled, 
Um, as, we, as we think through the Christmas story, there were angels that came and made proclamation. There was always confusion from Mary to Joseph to the Magi, and yet things were revealed. And God has revealed to us by recording it in Scripture. And so pray in this season, God, would you, would you unveil your glory? Unveil the glory of a season. Unveil the glory of an arrival. Not just the past arrival, but unveil the glory of the, of the coming, the arrival that is to come. Would you make that real in my heart? Most people missed the manger. Most people missed the star. God, would you unveil the glory in this season? How about unveiling the glory of a baby and just thinking about uh, Jesus and God coming in the form of a baby? Would you unveil the story, God, and, and a story can't possibly be captured by 14 little figurines on my, you know, on my entryway table. There, there's, there's so much more to it. Would you, would you let me understand what you're doing here? There's a response involved with all of this. Whenever revelation is given... Whenever revelation is given, either by way of angels or by prophets or by the Bible, there's always a response where we can choose to engage, we can choose to trust, we can choose to follow or choose to reject. The second one is this, is to enter the story. That's one of the challenges that I like with this Advent conspiracy idea is entering the story. Remember when I talked about the beginning, just being super far away from the event and what it is, and you're kind of straining your neck, but after a while, if you can't hear things, it just becomes like noise, and it's just kind of frustrating. And when the whole crowd kind of ooze and ahs, it's just kind of annoying that, that, that you're not a part of that. So, so how do we get to a place where we can enter the story? What does that look like? Do we, you know, do we all dress like wise men for the month of December? You can try that, and let me know how that goes. But, but let, me just, let me just jot some things down, or, or, or just tell you some things that, that, I, that I jotted down. One is this. On Saturday... From nine to twelve, we're, we're going to put on we're going to put on two things. We're, we're kind of calling the the church to, to to come together. One way to enter the story is this: we're going to have a a manger build. We're going to build a little manger scene uh, for our front lawn. We just God's blessed us with a great little property here on on Branham, and so we're just going to we're just going to build some kind of wood cutout uh, manger scene just to kind of highlight that. I don't know about you, but my kids and I we like to go around the the you know look at lights and all that kind of thing, and it's becoming more and more rare such that we call out, "Hey, there's there's a manger." Scene. Like, it's not just the norm that that's every house, right? Um, usually it's SpongeBob with a Santa hat, you know, or something like that. And so we're, we just, we just want to do a little manger build. One way to just enter into the story is this. Take that and make that an act of worship. Go read the Old Testament about all the craftsmen and all these different people um, who didn't play guitar, who didn't public speak, who didn't write devotional stuff, but they were amazing with their hands. And they came and they worshiped God. And God chose to put it in, in the scriptures for all of time to say, this is, this is the way I was worshiped by these skilled craftsmen, by these skilled artists who came and made this thing look really, really good. Come join us. This is Saturday, 9 to 12. We'll have some hot drinks out here. We're doing this rain or shine. If it's dumping, we're canceling it. But otherwise, show up. Misting, come on. We can handle it, Northern Californians. In conjunction with that, that's the front yard, okay? In conjunction with that is the backyard. Many of you know about our community garden going on back there. Here's what we need for the garden. We are going to be doing some garden prep work this, this coming Saturday at exactly the same time, 9 to 12. And so some different roles for that. We're going to be actually lifting out and dismantling some of the things that we've done back there in preparation for more, bigger, and better. Because we just see, um, we just see some momentum with this that, that, that God wants to do. So 
We need people who are willing to get their hands dirty back there. Um, kids, there might be a tractor, which is really cool. Um, so, you know, I can't promise or anything. I don't think you'll get to drive it, uh, but there'll be a tractor out there, I think. We're, we're, we're just be getting some major stuff going for, for this thing. Some of you are like, I'm not good with my hands. Please don't put a power saw in my hand. Uh, I'm not so good with, with gardening and those kind of things. Let me give you two more ways to participate and kind of enter in as a church. One is this, um, hot beverages and snacks, okay? That just makes the whole thing a more party-like festival. Some of you make killer apple cider. I want to taste it. So come out and make it and bring it, okay? Just, just own that part so that those doing the other parts of the planning don't have to bear all the burden. Secondly is this, we, we really envision um, all that God has, has given here on this property as, as his work. He has preserved this place for over 50 years, um, just as a, as a light in this neighborhood. And as the, um, garden is being prepped, wouldn't it be so cool if there were just a, a, a team of prayers? You're like, man, I don't have a strong back. I can't be doing that stuff. But what if we just had a team of prayers that would just, would just walk our property? Say, God, would you take this, this little plot of land? I, it's fun to Google Earth our little church and just say, God, what, what do you want to do with this little strip of land? Let's just soften up the soil. Let's, let's fertilize the land with prayer. As people are out here walking, it would be cool just to have people praying and saying, God, you're the light of the world. And so often the world doesn't understand. Would you just, would you just take our little manger scene even and let that be a, a, a little reflection of your glory during the season? So, so there's really a way for you to come and participate and enter. That's on Saturday from, from 9 to 12, just, just, to, just to put that out there. Um, here, here's an idea. I'm just going to rattle off a couple, and then we're going we're gonna to close out. One is this. I would challenge you to go to the mall. I'm not saying stay away from the mall. Don't go to worship at the mall. Don't go to give your tithes and offerings at the mall. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing how similar a church service is. You walk into a store, they hand you their bulletin which is a sales catalog, you know, what's on sale there. And then there's ushers there that kind of greet you and, and want to move you around to things. And, and then there's the offering time where you pay, you know, where you pay money. I mean, it's, it's really striking, you know. And then there's all these, you know, false doctrine sermons that kind of go on and, and, and that, are, that are happening there. So don't go to the mall to worship. Go to the mall instead to see an incredible slice of our community. Um, you, you just you just walk through them all. You, you just see a ton of our community right right here in one place. What, what what if we were to go to the mall to enjoy this? There's there's singing that goes on. There's there's a live band sometimes that's playing. Uh, our our kids and I we just stopped and enjoyed. We just sat and listened to a little four piece thing doing Christmas music. And it was so fun to sit there and just enjoy that, enjoy the decoration, stop and clap for them. They were super thrilled that someone stopped and listened and clapped for them because it was really remarkable music. They were gifted musicians. So go and do that. I'll I'll give you a tip. Stop by C's. Get the free handout. You don't need to buy a bunch of stuff. Just get the free sample. Um, So just go to enjoy the mall. Go to to pray for your neighbors. Go go to to be with other people. Um, Here's one that our church has participated in a lot. This church that we... We go to San Francisco every year and, and minister up in the, in the Tenderloin District, uh, puts on this thing called Bethlehem. It's over at First Baptist Santa Clara. Just an incredible way to kind of immerse yourself into the Christmas story and walk around kind of, you know, uh, Bethlehem. It's, it's, it's really kind of an incredible thing. If you're super geeky, um, on adventconspiracy.org, 
is a new kind of advent calendar where it has a little QR reader and you scan each day and it kind of tells you, instead of opening up the little old school cardboard thing, uh, it has a little scan and there's some kind of little activity. So I think we're going to check that out. You download the poster and you just kind of scan each day. So that's for the nerds in the room. Here's the other thing. And instead of downsizing, think about this. Instead of downsizing Christmas, we are going to talk next week about spending less and what that would look like. But instead of downsizing Christmas, what about lifting our vision to say, let's, let's totally blow the roof off Christmas. Let's expand it to go global, completely global with this thing. How cool would it be if we were purchasing goats for people in our village in Ethiopia? How cool would it be if we were able to garner people from our office space and just say, man, we want to, we want to raise enough money, $1,400 or whatever it's going to be, We want to put a well in a place where they don't have clean water. What a great celebration that would be. And I think Christian or non-Christian, people would get into that. People would look at that and say, man, I I want to be a part of something bigger. All right, here's, here's my challenge. Add your own on the city. The city is our online kind of community that we do. Add your own on there. We'll just put a little link up and you can just, you can just add your own thing. There's a, there's a website called RethinkingChristmas.com talking about relational gifts, and we're going to get into this more as weeks to come, but I, I just want to be dropping little seeds into your mind so we can be you know, just kind of priming the pump as, as, we're, as we're going along. Uh, one, one person on that website re- reported the, the son who gave his father a pound of coffee beans with the stipulation that the father can only enjoy the beans when he's with his son. Someone's looking to reconnect with dad, just want to hear his voice, just want to be with him. I love that gift, not just because I love coffee, but I just love the relational component of that. There's one story where a dad gives his daughter two blank journals. One was for him to fill um, as, as uh, you know, during the year, and one was for her to fill as she was heading off to college. And they, they, they committed the following year at Christmas. They would just swap journals and just kind of keep up on, on each other that way. I thought, man, what a cool relational gift. Not a ton of cash exchanging hands, but just a really thoughtful relational gift. And there's tons more um, ideas like that. So whatever's put on the city, whatever website you get, whatever Pinterest you do, and you just go, man, this is such a cool idea. There's not going to be three little neat things that are just going to solve this for you. There's, there's a harder, slower, less noticeable, much more difficult work of just pointing the inner heart toward the wonder of Jesus Christ. It's slow work often. It's not real measurable like you can just, you can just check it off of a list. Said a different way, it would be this. Attend services by all means. I, I want you to be at our Christmas Eve service. I want you to keep coming on Sundays. I, I want you to come be at these events. But more than attending services is this. Just be attentive. When the church doors are closed, when the event is over and all cleaned up, be attentive to God in your Monday through Saturday. Be attentive to God when, when, when you're with people. Don't miss it. Just doing the right things, which might be you know turning off the TV or not going to the mall and being with family, you can still miss it. And then you just, it just leads to frustration. And for some of us, there's an unworking that has to go on, just a, a practicing of being present with, with people. I want to invite the band up right now, and, and we're going to sing some more. And as we do, I want, to, I want to read, kind of by way of benediction, from the book of Psalm, Psalm 147. And you can just let the, the, the truth of these words wash over you as we prepare to sing. We're going to... Take up our offering here in just a moment as well. Listen to Psalm 147. 
Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love.